I'm, ve- I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow because uh, I'll be done with my biblical counseling class. I know you probably tired of me talking about that, but uh, we, Mike Johnson and I have learned a lot from that class. I'm, try- I'm trying to secretly, I guess it's not a secret if I mention it right now, but I'm trying to get uh, Renee Quaife to take the class. I think she would do a, a great job through the through the biblical counseling course. But we are learning a lot in the course. One of the things that we are supposed to do for our final exam tomorrow is have Philippians 2, 1 through 11 memorized. And uh, that's not going to happen for me. <laughs> and so um, I, have, I have a good handle on it. And so I don't think we have to just write it out freehand. I think we're, there's going to be uh, some fill in the blanks. But Philippians 2, 1 through 11 is a wonderful passage, a familiar passage, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. And um, this is this passage of Scripture is what the early church called Christ's hymn. Why? Because it's all about Christ. And one of the things that we have been learning in my biblical counseling class or in our classes is to try to see people through Jesus' eyes. And that is very difficult to do, so difficult to do. In fact, um, some of you heard the story. Our family and Ryan went hiking yesterday over near Scottsboro at the walls of Jericho. And I knew this is, if, you, if you're familiar with the walls of Jericho, this hike is very strenuous, very difficult. And uh, some friends of ours thought we were crazy for taking our whole family. But it's a seven-mile hike, three and a half miles down. That's the easy part. Three and a half miles up. And so uh, Ryan graciously uh, agreed to go with us. We packed a lunch. We had snacks. We had lots of water. Um, but as we were going down, I don't know, we're probably about a mile into the hike, we see this girl, like, jogging almost on the way up. We said, you okay? She said, yeah, there's, you know, a guy in our group, uh, he broke his, his leg or his foot. I'm like, oh, no. She said, I'm going up to the top to... To get help, to radio, or to radio, to call, uh, the EMS people so they can meet us at the top. Like, oh my. So we already had that in the back of our mind that we might see somebody who needs help. So sure enough, about two miles into the hike, we see these people coming up with this makeshift stretcher, makeshift gurney. They had two long, uh, wooden logs and a tarp that they had just put together. And I guess they had, uh, five, five guys you know, trying to carry this one guy who was about 175 pounds, I think he said, up up to the top. And so um, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I really hope that they're okay and they don't need our help. But I think it was Ryan, I think it was Ryan the first one, who said, you guys need any help? And I was kind of like, yeah, you need any help? <laughs> um, they, and they looked at us and said, yeah, we really could use some extra hands. And I said, okay. So I told Sheena and the kids, you guys go on. It was just about lunchtime when they said, well, we're going to break when we find a little clear spot. We're going to break, get lunch. And then I told Sheena, I said, you guys keep going though. I didn't want to go all this way. And then from there, come back up. So then Ryan and I, we, uh, helped the team that, that left six, you know, we had an extra person now. So we had six people around this makeshift, uh, stretcher and then an extra person that could kind of rotate out. And, uh, man alive, it, it was, it took a lot to 
get him to the point. We got him to the point where there was a horse trail um, where they could bring an ATV down to get him. And so that's basically, we didn't have to take him all the way up to the top. I don't know how far we took him. But um, after that, then we had to go back down and meet Sheen and the kids. So it was a long day yesterday, but I was so thankful for my brother Ryan. He didn't complain or whine one bit until we got in the van and on the way home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. Um, it was just a, it was a great day. It was a good opportunity to help others. And so that was a, is we had that opportunity yesterday. It reminded me a lot of what I've been thinking about and trying to put into practice about seeing others through Jesus' eyes. Um, I've mentioned this before. When I became a pastor back in 2011, uh, I emailed five different people, five different friends and asked them for advice. And, uh, one of my, uh, professors, Herschel York, that's who we named Stephen Herschel after. One of the things he said, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, Steve, as you pastor, everybody's not going to be like you and everybody's going to be different. And there's going to be some weird things about people, some strange things about people, some idiosyncrasies about people that you wish you could change. But everybody is created in the image of God. Love them for who they are. And I thought that was a great, great piece of advice. So as we think about loving others, let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I know it's just hard to do, you know, when you come to a passage that's so familiar, but try to read it like it's the first time that you are hearing it. So Paul writes these words to the church there at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Well, tonight I just want to share a few thoughts. These are borrowed thoughts from Joshua Mack. Joshua Mack is the son of Wayne Mack. Wayne Mack is a well-known, he may not be well-known to you, but he's a well-known biblical counselor, and um, he's up there in years. Uh, I can't remember how old he is, but he has decided to retire, spending his last days as a missionary, training those in South Africa biblical counseling. 
So Wayne Mack is in, is in South Africa training others in biblical counseling. Joshua Mack wrote this booklet, and I just want to read part of this to you about compassion. Think of a compassionate lifestyle as being like a house. It requires a strong theological foundation. It requires this strong theological foundation because compassion is not a gimmick. It is not a method to get people to like you or to accomplish some other end. It is not simply learning to nod your head and say, hmm, at the appropriate times. It doesn't take too much theology to do that. Biblical compassion involves a sacrificing yourself for the glory of God and the good of others. True compassion involves deliberately choosing to enter into another person's pain. It is bearing an actual burden that is not your own. He is worshiping God by denying yourself in real life, and it takes a whole lot of theological understanding to do that. It is actually pretty tempting to minimize the importance of compassionate concern for people because compassion, compassionate concern is costly. It is easy to live the Christian life fueled by the same self-interest that energized us before we were converted. People sometimes pursue knowledge of the Bible for the same reasons they use to pursue knowledge in other realms, to appear smart, for example, or to get ahead. Knowing the right biblical answer can feed the same pride as knowing the right answer about anything else. You don't have to give up much to be an answer man, but there is a great deal you have to give up if you really want to feel deeply and express that feeling to people. The first thing you will have to give up is an obsessive concern with your own good. This is what this is where it steps on my toes. You and I come into this world with a whole lot of concern for what's happening to us and with comparatively little concern for what's happening to others. If you have any doubts about that, just spend some time on a playground. You were focusing on yourself from day one and you began developing thought and habit patterns from that point on the focused on yourself and your own interests. While you have become a little better, I suppose, at covering up your self-interest as you grew older, it probably was primarily because covering up your self-interest made it possible for you to pursue your own interests with less resistance. Over time, this passionate pursuit of self becomes a self-centered lifestyle. And the point is that if you don't deliberately turn from that self-centered lifestyle, it will cause you great difficulties in developing compassionate relationships. You will never feel for other people until you see other people. And you will never see them until you are interested in them. Yeah, let me read that sentence again. You will never, never feel for other people until you see other people. And you will never see them until you are interested in them. And you will never become very interested in them until you become a little less interested in yourself. The problem most of us have is that we are too interested in ourselves to have much interest left for others. And even when we are interested in others, it is often only because they are interesting or have something of interest to us. If you and I are going to learn to show compassion... We must learn to be interested in people, not because they are interesting in and of themselves, but because we love them. When we begin to value and love people with the same intensity 
and fervor with which we love ourselves, compassion is sure to follow. Compassion always follows interest. One of the reasons we aren't as interested in others as we should be is because we have set ourselves at the center of our own little world. And we are really not the center of the world. God is. He is up to something much bigger than simply taking care of us or exalting us. Yes, God is interested in us, but he's also interested in more than just us. When you find yourself struggling to be interested in people, step back and consider God's interest in them. That other person, the one you don't even notice, is the subject of God's intense interest. And what matters most is not your opinion of that person, but God's. What interests him should interest you. So as I read that in the class earlier, and think about Philippians 2, our motivation must be Christ. Must be who he is, what he has done, what he's accomplished, what he did on our behalf. And it's interesting as we look at who he is, it says in this passage that he was in the form of God, but did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You know, we all think to like to think of ourselves as pretty selfless people, that we like to serve others, but in reality we we can become very selfish. And when it comes to our time, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our relationships, and I'm learning more and more that this situation that I'm in right now, whether it's an inconvenience of time, an inconvenience away from my family, an inconvenience of whatever, is where God has placed me and what what God wants me to um, speak. I mean, even uh, this afternoon, I've been praying for more opportunities to minister and relate to my neighbors. And right after we came home, right after a, a long morning, right after the vacation Bible school meeting, right as soon as we get home, and, you know, the first thing on my mind was a nap. <laughs> I just want to lay down a nap. Um, there's my neighbor, you know, with her uh, newborn, or newborn son. He's a few months old now. Um, but, you know, I've been praying for them to be able to speak to them. And uh, she was just so delighted to see us. And right away she said, I'm going to church. And I mean, my mind is still on the nap. I'm like, okay, you're going to church. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm coming to your church. I'm like, oh, she's talking to me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's great. That's great. You know, you know, we'd love to have you. Whenever you can come, that'd be great. But it was just one of those opportunities that God like literally put in my lap saying, you know, this is an opportunity that you've been praying for. I'm answering that opportunity. So I'd like for us to just spend some time in prayer tonight.